Welcome to The Mentor List. To turn you into the best version of you that's around. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Welcome to The Mentor List. This is our specialist mini-series called Diversity Matters Leaders in Conversation. With your mini-series host, Richard Elstone, prior guests on the show and well-known expert and coach in getting execs ready for making a move. I hope you enjoy this episode of Diversity Matters Leaders in Conversation here on The Mentor List. Welcome, Shannon Payne, to Diversity Matters Leaders in Conversation Series 2, which is fantastic. Just to let everybody know, Shannon Payne is the Global Human Resources Director for the ASX Darling Afterpay. It's back as a $30 billion company these days, so that's a pretty big job, Shannon, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. And yeah, we've been on a wild ride over the last few years and the last few months. Yeah, every day is really exciting that's for sure absolutely absolutely thank you for agreeing to be my guest today we'd love to know a little bit about you and where you were brought up and and all of that so why don't you kick that off for me sure so i was born in lilydale which is outer eastern suburbs of melbourne yeah about 40 k's out of the cbd pretty standard childhood you know I had near mum dad my sister and myself you know dad who had a white collar job mum who kind of stayed at home and you know we did a bit of a stint out in Warburton even even further out the country for a period of time but yeah outer eastern suburbs girl into the train line very good very good and what about your parents so tell me a bit about them who's mum who's dad yeah so mum mum grew up on a poultry farm in Wonga Park she was the daughter of Polish immigrants who migrated to Australia just after the war. And dad was a 10-pound pom. He came out on a boat to Australia when he was eight years old. So both kind of, I get called a bit of a a bitzer, a good combination of Polish, English, but both parents, you know, pretty much raised in Australia. Very good. And what did your parents do? Yeah, Dad, you know, was, I guess, a clerk. He just worked in various white-collar jobs, mostly clerical. He did a lot of occupational health and safety in his early career. And then the last kind of 20 years, he actually worked as a work cover investigator. So not the type of person that takes photos trying to catch out people who are doing dodgy claims, more just going in and pulling together reports around work cover. And Mum was a housewife for most of my childhood, used to kind of earn a bit of money on the side, cleaning houses, etc. The last kind of 15 years until she retired this year was a residential care worker, mostly looking after clients with intellectual disability. Fantastic. So I can tell where the HR side came from then. It was probably from your dad. Yeah, and he's got the gift of the gab as well. So I definitely got that from him as well. Can you explain a little bit about your sort of early career, you know, university? Why did you decide to go and do the degree that you did? And was there anybody there, maybe at school or maybe at university, that helped shape who you are today? Yeah. So at school, I was a bit of a, a misfit, didn't really fit in anywhere. I wasn't 
popular. I got picked on a little bit. And then I discovered that I was pretty good at running. I used to call it the lap around the oval, but it was a 400 metres and also basketball. And I had a teacher who was very influential for me and, and really coached me to quite a high standard in both those sports where I discovered more people I had things in common with. I discovered some self-confidence and I also discovered I was pretty darn competitive. And, you know, I certainly wasn't always the most talented athlete, but I certainly worked the hardest. So it definitely distilled in me really on a really good work ethic. And I was always the hardest trainer, always. And I actually wanted to be a sports teacher because of that. So, you know, in year 12, that's what I was kind of aiming for, get into a teaching degree. But then I actually got a much higher mark than I thought I was going to get in year 12. And I thought, oh, I'm going to might as well switch degrees and get into something, you know, with this high score I've got. And on the spot decided I wanted to be a sports psychologist and so enrolled in a behavioural science degree at La Trobe. And luckily, probably by that second year of university, I was really loving this industrial and organisational psychology component, which got me interested in HR. So I was one of those lucky people that by second year uni, I was actually pretty sure what it was that I wanted to do. And, you know, so from the age of 19, I knew I wanted to have a career in human resources. Did you do any placements while you were at university or did you just go and finish your degree and then to have it all come together for you? I applied for about, I reckon, 60 graduate roles in HR when I finished uni and got rejected from every single one of them. And I, back in those days, you got the rejections via the post usually. And I remember just getting sick of getting letters that had no. Um, I don't know been pretty devastating and I was actually working at a supermarket as a checkout operator that I had worked there throughout you know high school and university and then I had a store manager who suggested that I go into their management development program and that's what I did I thought well it's a full-time job and learning Mm -hmm. how to manage will probably help me become a better HR practitioner get my foot in the door it was a pretty major supermarket one of the big major chains And yeah, I was, again, had a really great mentor. She was the HR manager of the time and and she actually entered me into Janine Duggan. Yeah, I think I I had been involved in some young retailer of the year type of competitions they used to run and she noticed me pretty early on and she put me forward to get a scholarship to do a postgraduate degree and it was pretty rare of someone of my kind of junior level that got accepted into those scholarship programs. But yeah, I I got accepted and was able to do some postgraduate, my postgraduate diploma in HR. That actually stopped me going overseas. I was going to go and do the traditional gap year overseas, (laughs) but getting that scholarship kept me here. And again, definitely getting that postgrad education in HR uh, set me on the right path. And, you know, I got my first HR role in head office of that supermarket. So it was a recruitment role, recruiting yeah. for all the various roles in supermarkets and, and was there for, for three years doing that HR role. And, you know, if I think about some of those really early challenges, you learn to work really hard in supermarkets. You know, I was managing 70 checkout employees when I was 22 years old. So you learn Amazing. pretty quickly. Yeah. How to, how to deal with people. But I was also sexually harassed really early on in my career as well. Oh, no. 
yeah, it's pretty horrible. And, and I remember at the time I mentioned it to my boss, my female boss, who, who pretty much told me not to make any trouble and not to make any waves. And so I never told anyone and never reported it to anyone, which I think is why, you know, these days I'm very mindful of that, of the underreporting that goes on. And, and yeah, it's a passion of mine to make sure that these things don't go unnoticed because it had a pretty big effect on me for, you know, a lot of my early years. So from there, I think, you know, after being in retail for a period of time, uh, I wanted to get out and get a, a real office job. And, you know, I got my first general generalist role at ComputerShare. And the people I met there at ComputerShare, I count as my closest friends today. And really, again, set me on that path to that generalist career. And it was a great environment, ComputerShare. It was a, a really good culture and, yes, yeah, got a good grounding. What sort of roles did you do at ComputerShare? Were you an HR manager in those days? or No, I, was, I went in as an HR officer and went out to be HR consultants for mostly the call centre and data entry areas. And then when I wanted to become a manager, I thought I'd you know, get back into, into retail. So retail, I missed the pace of it, but also that's because of where I'd grown up. I thought that's where I was going to get my first management role. And you know, went back in with Australian Pharmaceutical Industries Priceline and then later on Pulse Pharmacy and became you know, a state HR manager and then a national HR manager. And then got my second big break of my career, which was getting a role at Seek. And that was the first time that networking had played a really important role in getting that job. That was, you know, meeting me and Callahan, who was the HR director of Seek at the time, very early on, keeping in contact with her until that right role at Seek, you know, eventually came up. And then of course, you know, not only a year into being at Seek, the Seek and Swinburne University joint venture started and they created online education services. So I was able to be a part of the startup team for that and then you know grow with that business and, and you know, it was my first executive role it was a fantastic business the oes business started virtually from scratch it's what are now a 300 million dollar business it's a bit of a darling isn't it it's fantastic how that business has grown up and you've helped shape the culture of that business while you were there how was that that would have been tough to have done what did you do to to ensure that you could sort of capture that early culture of that OES business and keep that while it grew? I certainly helped having a fantastic CEO, Denise Pitt, who absolutely believed that people is what make the business. And we regularly did checks on the culture. So we, you know, after two years of being in operation, we'd grown substantially. I think that year we'd won BRW's fastest growing company. As an executive team, we stood back and looked at what part of that startup culture did we want to keep and really keep dear to us because it was really important to us as we grew? And then what parts did we have to leave behind us because they just weren't possible in a faster growing, larger business anymore? So we did constant evaluations of that. Even more importantly, we listened to our people. So we did really regular engagement surveys, lots of focus groups, and asking our employees what it was important to them to maintain that culture. So, you know, I might have five great ideas before breakfast, but that doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it was always the employees. They will tell you what is important to them and, and getting those little quick wins. 
mostly it was around being really open, honest and transparent with employees and really creating that trust culture. We did a lot of work about recruiting for diversity and diversity, not just demographics, but diversity of thought. So we very much believed that true innovation came from people who thought differently. And when you do that, you then need to create an environment that's inclusive, where those people are heard. So we did a lot of work around team building, how to give and receive feedback, how to understand and work with people who might think a little bit differently to you. And, you know, it was those kind of foundations that end up leading us to be named best of the best employer by Alan Hewitt, but also just being such a fantastic place to go to work each day. And you mentioned diversity being a sort of key area. Have you got a good sort of interesting diversity or inclusion story that might resonate with our audience? So I've just talked about, you know, some of the real positive experiences I had around diversity inclusion. Unfortunately, there have been some some negative stories as well. And I totally acknowledge that I'm a privileged white cisgender straight woman. But, you know, being a, a woman, especially in some executive teams that are more male dominated, has been difficult. And I have experienced on several occasions just not being heard and really explicitly not being heard. I'm talking about giving an example, no one really taking much notice of it. And then five minutes later, another male executive saying that same thing that everyone then started talking about and listening to. And I'd heard about this phenomenon happening before, but to actually have it happen to me on several occasions has been really eye-opening. And I'm a raving extrovert, so it's not like I'm a shy, retiring person either. So that's quite confronting and initially thinking it's okay, I'll let my work speak for itself to now, you know, being more mature and, you know, I think when you get older you tend to lose your fear a little bit. Now I absolutely call it out if it happens. But but unfortunately it still does happen <laughs> in mm. this environment. Is it really improving though? Or are diversity issues being swept further under the carpet? Or are they just being called out? What's the difference between now and early on in your career, do you think? Definitely an improvement. I do think that it is being called out more where people definitely feel more comfortable now than 20 years ago when I first started my career about calling out things like anything discriminatory, if people are being harassed. I still think there's a a massive uh, number that do get underreported, but I think with some of those really strong, you know, the Me Too movement, et cetera, means that people feel more comfortable coming forward than 20 years ago. So that's good. I still think we've got a really long way to go. I still think, you know, I want to see things like quotas and more meaningful diversity targets being put in place to really hold companies to account. And so much of it is unconscious. I think so many people that I've worked with definitely aren't consciously biased. It is definitely an unconscious bias and, and we do. there's a lot more education required to get us where we need to be. Absolutely. If you could go back to your 21-year-old young graduate self and give her some advice about what she should be doing now or you know, what she should be concentrating on and what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? I would say trust your instincts, back yourself 
and what makes you different is actually what makes you unique and successful. So I often say you do you rather than trying to conform to this kind of concocted ideal of what you think you should be. I think it's mm-hmm. that embracing embracing your uniqueness is what I would tell myself. And moving forward, where are you going moving forward in your career? When you're what I would call mid-career now, what's your ambition? I really enjoy being an HR director of a global high-growth company. So in the short to medium term, I want to continue to grow with Afterpay. It's a really exciting business. I'm learning so much. I really enjoy the global aspect of my role. So I think definitely in my career, I want to um, continue to work for businesses with that global footprint. Just gives you a really good insight into what other markets are doing and um, and really exciting things that you can then bring back to the business. Um, definitely stay in HR. I really enjoy it. You know, I enjoy being a generalist. I enjoy helping people and making a real difference in people's lives. So I just want to continue to keep learning and keep growing as a professional and as a as a human. Fantastic. And how do you keep on top of all the sort of latest HR trends and and all of that? How do you make sure that you continually grow from a professional development perspective? Networking's everything. You really, I've really made sure I've dedicated the time to do that and networking with the right people, not just HR professionals, but people outside of HR as well who might be able to bring a different idea to the table. So I'm part of a couple of really great networking groups. There is actually an HR tribe that exists in WhatsApp that I'm a big part of that keeps me across kind of the latest ANZ legislation what's happening in that world definitely after pay having a a large presence in san francisco has been brilliant in exposing me just to people over there and some of the really cutting edge practices that some of those businesses are doing because i think you know the us and certainly that some of those silicon valley businesses you know are a step ahead in some regards but they've also made some some really bad mistakes especially around the diversity piece that I think that we can learn from here so I'm just a really naturally curious person so I'm always looking at you know who's doing the latest and greatest thing and and seeing what we can learn off them. You've won many awards as being an HR practitioner or the companies that you have been the HR director of have won many awards. Have you got anything lined up for Afterpay? Yeah, well, we did get named as, as one of the employees of choice in the Bay Area in San Francisco, so for our office out there, which has recently won that award, which is brilliant. We're definitely on the journey here for our business in Australia. For those listeners that don't know the Afterpay story, we have grown incredibly quickly. That's really exciting, but it also means there's some really um, basic fundamental building blocks that we need to build whilst we continue to still grow. So I absolutely am at Afterpay with the mandate to make sure we're an award-winning employer of choice. And, you know, I've almost been there a year, so I think we've put in those foundations and we'll continue to build on that. Fantastic. It's a very exciting company. It must be... uh... It's, it's incredible that you've landed in that role. I think it's fantastic. Is there a mantra or a quote that you live by that just keeps you centred, you know, on a day-to-day basis? 
Yeah, I look, I'm a, I'm a big Brene Brown fan and, you know, my favourite quote of hers is that I carry a small sheet of paper in my wallet that has written on it the names of people whose opinions of me matter. To be on that list, you have to love me for my strengths and my struggles. And what I love about that is it really reminds me on who it is important to listen to. And feedback is incredibly important for all of us, but not all of that feedback is is valid. So I really am quite choosy on who I listen to and really take on board feedback from. And they are people that need to know and love me for the things that I do really well and the things that I struggle with. Very good. Excellent. And is there a book or series of books or something that just hit the nail on the head and in terms of you and in terms of helping you with your career? Yeah, and it's a really similar theme to the quote, actually. The book is First We Make the Beast Beautiful by Sarah Wilson. The title of the book actually comes from a a Japanese proverb, which is before you kill the beast, you have to acknowledge its beauty. And there's many themes throughout the book and and it's definitely around Sarah's struggle with her um, anxiety. And what I loved about it was the acknowledgement that that anxiety actually made her extremely successful, then having to manage the bad parts out of it. So it's the same here. I think, you know, we're all too, it's all too easy to always be looking at your flaws and how you can improve. You know, this is about actually recognising that um, some of those things like around, you know, tending to be on the anxious side and, and ruminate is actually what has made me really successful. But, you know, you do have to put in strategies to make sure that, you know, those coping mechanisms in place that are the shadow side of of some of those things. And what are some of your coping mechanisms? I do a two-hour beach walk every single Sunday, even if it's pelting down with rain. You're just going to make sure you've got the right clothing to wear. You know, that two-hour walk, I don't take a phone or anything with me. For me, that really is processing the week that's been, thinking about the week ahead. And then the last hour of that walk is very mindful. So I do things like I count the different shades of green I can see or really listen in to the sounds of the environment around me and it really just centres me and and brings me back into my body. And I also, for me, I found that acupuncture is a must. It's something that I need to kind of do on on a regular basis. Same thing, it just really balances me and I really feel it if I ever miss one of my scheduled appointments and I think you know lastly for me you know having my two French bulldogs which have become quite famous in this current zoom environment I think everyone from my business has met my two Frenchies but you know Mm -hmm. I think pets are also incredibly great with that unconditional love and, and how they ground you fantastic well, Shannon Payne, it's been fantastic to have had you as a guest uh, for Diversity Matters Leaders in Conversation. It's been a fascinating conversation, so thank you so very much. No worries. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us today at The Mentor List. If you'd like to hear more or speak to us about recommending our next interview guest, come on through to mentorlist.com.au. You can also find out more about our suite of mastermind series taking shape in your area, your industry, and your discipline. 
We look forward to welcoming you to one of our events very soon. Stay tuned for another great show. Thank you for listening to The Mental List. If you like what you're hearing on The Mental List, the best way to support the show is to just take a few seconds to leave a rating and or comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at mentorlist.com.au. Until next time, this is The Mentor List.